Welcome to another episode of Wrestling for the Faith. Here are your hosts, Casey Cage and WWE's Jackson Riker, Chad Lale. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Wrestling for the Faith. I am Casey Cage. And I am Chad Lale. And we thank you for joining us again this week. And uh, we just want to thank everybody for your prayers, your support, and for the feedback. You know, it is it is a blessing to get emails and text messages and calls um, letting us know that, you know, uh, something that we have said or, or the, the studies that we're doing is is helping other people. And that's a big motivating factor for us. So we just appreciate everybody sending us feedback and letting us know uh, what you're getting out of the podcast. I can, I can agree. I can agree that listening to podcasts and sermons and brother, you can attest to this it will cause you to dig a little deeper in the word. Cause you hear things and you go, Hey man, I didn't know that. Let me, let me try and find out more about that. So uh, once again, we do appreciate it. I, I get texts from Casey all the time with emails and little testimonies of, of uh, people just kind of uh, saying how much they appreciate what we're doing. And uh, we, we, we love the feedback. Amen. So how's the week been, man? Man, it's been good. was down in old Miami on Monday. And uh, yeah, it wasn't too bad hot. It was raining a little bit, but I'm always glad to be back in the Carolinas. I lived in Florida, Orlando, Florida for three years. Man, I'm just not a Florida guy. I just don't <laughs> like the I don't like the traffic. I don't like the humidity. Um, you know, I, I'd much rather be in the Carolinas where I know here in about another three weeks, maybe four tops, we're gonna have some fall weather. Yeah. You just don't get that in Florida. So it's just too much it's too busy for me, bud. Too busy. Yeah. Yeah. I I kind of feel the same way. I kinda like my <laughs> Tennessee mountains too. Oh yeah. I'd like to have a little country country house one day where I can just walk out on my porch and, and, uh, not see anything but woods. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I want to mention before we get started, I don't know. Did you ever know John Arden? I don't believe so. Uh, man, John was, he was a big guy and he was one of the best big guys that I ever worked with. Um, and, you know, he was part of one of my first big feuds whenever I first broke in 2003 or four. And, uh, man, he was great to work with and he was always a great guy. But I just found out uh, a couple hours ago that he had passed away today. So oh, man, uh, man. I really hear hate hearing that, man. It just seems like we are saying goodbye way too yeah. frequently these days. We are, and you mentioned that, and you also mentioned uh, for the wrestling fans out there, Daphne this past week, man, the yes. one who uh, members watching in WCW. Then I had the privilege of working with her at, at Impact TNA many, many years ago. Um, always just a sweet person, kind, friendly, always smiling, and um, you know, just hear her, her passing, and, and you know, not really sure what went on in her life, but. Um, that was a, that was a blow I know to the wrestling world as well, man. So sorry for yeah. your loss, brother. I don't believe I knew him unless I, you know, might've passed him on the years I've been to Tennessee and wrestling different shows, but, um, yeah, it's, it's just sad, man. You can only hope these folks knew the Lord as well. Um, yeah. you know, yeah, that, uh, sad situation with Daphne, uh, you know, she, 
she was always, like you said, sweet and uh, upbeat whenever I was around her. I didn't know her very well, but I mean, the times that I was around her, she, she was great. And it just, uh, you know, we never know when our time is going to come. Right. And like you said, that's why it's so very important to make sure that uh, we know the Lord. Yep. And Amen. I know people think that that's cliche and people think, oh, well, you know, uh, I'll get, <clears throat> I'll, uh, I'll start that relationship with Jesus whenever I'm uh, on my deathbed. But right now I want to party it up. But yeah, man, that ain't, that ain't no life to live. And mm. uh, there's no peace. There's no joy in that. No, no. Once again, that uh, iron sharpens iron we talked about a couple weeks ago, man. It's always reaching out to a brother or sister and making sure, that, especially if you know they got depression problems or issues going on in life. Sometimes all it takes is a text message saying, hey, I just want to let you know I'm here for you. Um, picking up a phone, you know, having a conversation with them. You just never know, man. And, um, you know, we're talking today, going into Acts 7 about, you know, it seems like our ongoing theme is being bold as we go through that book of Acts and, and I think that's important that we remember to be bold and share Jesus with folks, even if we think or already know that they're going to reject the idea. You're still planting a seed that, you know, you never know what that seed's going to do for their life. Exactly. So we finished off last week. We were talking about uh, toward the, well, we were talking about chapter six and, and we started talking a little bit about Stephen and how he was, full of faith and power, as verse 8 says, and he did great wonders and signs among the people. And it, then it talks about uh, these religious leaders rising up and, uh, you know, speaking things against him. Um, and it, it talks about how they got people to say that they heard him speaking blasphemies. Yeah. So it wasn't that he truly was but people were trying to lie to uh, help their cause. And so uh, he ends up being brought before these uh, religious leaders and is in front of the council that uh, I'm sure is probably the same uh, group that, uh, you know, Peter and John were in front of earlier in the, in the book. Um, right. But so they're, they brought Stephen and they're accusing him of, of blasphemy and accusing him of, of all this nonsense. Uh, that's like, where we I'll, end up as we go into chapter seven. Yeah. And just to touch a few things before we jump into seven, you know, it talks uh, in verse 10, it says um, as he's in front of this council being uh, practically interrogated and, and, you know, um, told these lies about him that chapter 10, I'm sorry, chapter six, verse 10 says, but they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. And I just think it's important for us to remember that, uh, you know, we're going to have those, those people in our lives who know that we're Christian. So they're going to watch us like a hawk, just to see if there's one little thing that they can nitpick about you and go, Oh, well, you know, you're a Christian. You wouldn't do this. You wouldn't do that. You know, whatnot. But we've got to realize uh, that, God's wisdom is always with us. He's going to, if we are in the wrong now, we're going to be convicted of what we're doing in the wrong. But if we're not, and there's been moments in my walk with God where 
you know, whatever social media, stuff like that. They'll start blasting me about this, about that. Um, well, God to give me the wisdom to stand firm, whether it's, uh, say, say something, or sometimes it's not say anything. It's just allow things to work out. And you see that in, in, uh, you know, verse number 10, that they could not withstand Stephen's wisdom, uh, because, you know, the Lord, the Holy spirit was filled, you know, filling him. Right. And going into chapter seven, um, we're probably not going to cover this whole thing cause it's a, it's a long sermon, but, uh, the listeners can go read it for themselves, but he starts out, uh, you know, they're accusing him and he starts out, uh, preaching to them about Abraham. And then he goes on through all of the fathers of the faith all the way up through, um, to try to prove, uh, who he's preaching about. And, you know, he's talking about these different prophecies that came from, uh, the fathers of the faith and how all of this points to Jesus, but uh, they didn't want to hear it. Oh yeah. I love that. I love that. He definitely, yeah, please guys, if you're listening to this, go read, uh, you know, the beginning of, of chapter seven and the, the, the sermon that Stephen puts on and, and, and it just continues to go on, but it, it ultimately, like Casey said, leads right to Jesus. So he, he's telling all these Sanhedrins, all this old Testament things that they already knew. They knew by heart. I mean, they studied this day in and day out, but then he throws them a, a curveball. You know what I mean? He throws a curveball at the end and then and says, well, this Jesus that you crucified practically uh, is what all these other Abraham and Moses and all these others were, you know, we're all about. You know what I mean? It's amazing to see this. This is the one who all of this that you guys have studied all of your lives. uh, This is who it's pointing to. (laughs) Yeah. Points to the cross, brother. (laughs) Yeah. And and I've always thought it was interesting. Um, I've heard some people say, well, you know, uh, they didn't know truly who Jesus was. And then I've heard others say, no, they, they did recognize who he was. Um, and I kind of lean toward that direction too, because if you go to John chapter three, when Nicodemus is talking to Jesus, mm-hmm. um, you know, he says, we know that you come from God because of the things that you do, you know, mm-hmm. you would have to come from God to do the miracles and, and the signs that you do. And Nicodemus was a Pharisee. So that kind of tells me that either they all knew or a lot of them knew that he was truly the Messiah. But uh, during that time, and I guess it may be hard for us to understand uh, in today's time, but during that time, the religious leaders had almost become like God to Israel. So, uh, they had all this power, they had all this wealth. And so if they would have recognized Jesus as the Messiah, then, you know, that takes away all of their power that takes away all of, all of the people coming to them and basically worshiping them. So, uh, it seems to me like 
them refusing to recognize him as the Messiah was uh, more of a pride issue than a truly not knowing and understanding who he was. Yeah. And I think too, I was thinking about that as you're speaking about it and, and I've thought about it before, you, you, you know, the Sanhedrins and these, these um, high priests or whatnot were these powerful men uh, that controlled many things. They made up laws as they went, not, not the actual law of the old Testament. They would make up, whatever law benefited them as, you know, Jesus would say. And when Jesus came, I think they were blinded because of, we see who Jesus associated himself with. He, he, maybe they were expecting this Messiah to show up and praise them or do the things that they did and to cast sinners away. And if a leper came up to you, Oh no, gosh, I can't touch you. But Jesus was completely opposite. He became a servant. Uh, he dwelt among sinners. He touched lepers. He did all this stuff that was completely against this, this law that they had made up where I was listening to a sermon today where a leper um, or even a tax collector, Matthew, if he sold out and become a tax collector, he was banished from his family. He could not go into the temple to worship. So you had Jesus come along, dude, and put a stop to that and said, no, Matthew, walk with me or let me touch this leper. And it just threw them off whack, man. They were like, what in the world? You know, it was not, not what they expected. Exactly. And to, to kind of speak into that a little bit, I just, it's kind of off topic, but uh, Jesus uh, was around sinners and hung out with sinners, but he wasn't doing what sinners were doing. Uh, yeah, I, right. I know I've, I've heard a lot of people say, well, you know, Jesus was a friend of sinners. Yeah. That don't mean that he was out uh, drinking and womanizing and all this other stuff with right along with the, the bar crowd. So sure. uh, I just wanted to clear that up because I, there's a lot of people that misconstrue that. Yeah, uh, I agree. So so back to uh, back to Stephen here. Um, let's see, you were talking about verse 48 jumped out at you. It did. Uh, it did. Uh, talking about the, um, he started talking about the, um, I guess the temple and then verse 48, it says yet the most high does not dwell in houses made by hands as the prophets say, um, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hands make all these things? It just made me think about how um, God is spirit and his, his spirit does not dwell in confined spaces, that it dwells within us as believers. Uh, you, you see that it dwelled obviously within Stephen as he's proclaiming the gospel here to these uh, Sanhedrins and, and all these others who are trying to, uh, you know, lie about what he's saying and all he's done. Like he's filled with the spirit, man. And it just um, goes to show once Jesus, and we've talked about this before, once Jesus was crucified, risen again, he did that so that the spirit could dwell in all of us. Cause if not, you know, we'd have to do like they did back in the old Testament. I'd say go to a temple and experience the presence of God. And we don't have to do that because of Christ. So it's just, yeah, that verse, yeah, that verse really stood out to me thinking about that. Cause sometimes we, we think, Oh, we have to go to, church on Sunday, which is totally, yes, you should go to church on Sunday, but then Monday through Saturday, but dude, you can sit anywhere you are on your couch in your car. Uh, and, and the spirit is there with you, um, going with you everywhere you go. 
Exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> and uh, the uh, <laughs> it sticks out to me here, verse 51. Um, you know, he goes through all of this, pointing them to Jesus, all of these uh, Old Testament prophets who who were saying this prophecy and that prophecy and doing this and doing that. And he, he shows them how it all points straight to Jesus. And then he just comes out and says in verse 51, you stiff necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy spirit as your fathers did. So do you that just, uh, it's one of those that it's just kind of, uh, something that shakes you sure because um you know sometimes sometimes you need uh, a a brother or sister or a, a pastor or somebody to just be firm and tell you listen this is where you're going wrong wake up sure. you know and <laughs> and that just stuck out to me there that that uh you know, he just jumped and back to boldness. Yeah. I mean, he's in front of all these people knows that he's probably facing his death and he's not pulling any punches. No, man, no fear at all. And, and I mean, dude, uh, how many times do we resist the Holy spirit? <laughs> how many times would, uh, uh, Stephen called me a stiff necked individual, but you're right. He does not pull any punches. And it's very important that we have those uh, brothers and, and, and others in our lives that will, will kind of shake us and, and put us in our place often. So um, I'm sure that that was a, dude, that, that ruffled their feathers for sure. You know, how you see in the Bible sometimes where it says they were, and I think it was in the gospels where they, Jesus had said something uh, right before his crucifixion and they like, they tore their, their robes or whatnot. Cause they were so, I guess angry, or if that was a, a sign of some kind of blasphemy or whatnot. I'm sure there was a lot of, uh, you know, tearing of robes right here. <laughs> he, he got somebody mad, man. Yeah. Let me go ahead and continue reading, uh, picking up at verse 52. It says, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. Verse 54 says, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. 55 says, but he being full of the Holy spirit gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see the heavens opened and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. That's powerful. It is powerful. He, um, I got a little footnote in my Bible says when Stephen saw, when said he saw Jesus at the right hand of God, he was saying that Jesus is co-equal with God. So ultimately he was giving these guys the truth. Uh, they were already hot and mad. And I'm pretty sure that they hated that because anytime they heard Jesus say anything about being the son of God or uh, being equal to God, um, I mean, that's ultimately what led him to be crucified. You know what I mean? 
Exactly. That is super powerful. Yeah, he. I think Stephen knows going into this that he is probably going to die. Would you? Would you uh, agree with me? Or I don't know. I mean, I would say so, and I, I kind of get the feeling that man, these guys they were so in tune with the Holy Spirit that they didn't they didn't care one way or the other. It's kind of right. like Paul says later on, uh, you know, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So, yes. you know, for, for the disciples and Christians to still be here and preaching the gospel, that's the more people that can hear the gospel and get saved. Uh, but, you know, we look at it like we're winners either way. So, sure. you know, yep, I agree. Um, I got heard of. I did write down. Okay, good. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say I wrote down something because you said you know to to uh, what 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 Paul had said, um, and I got wrote down that God doesn't necessarily call us to be martyrs, but He does call us uh, to be living sacrifices. And it gave me Romans twelve one two where He says, "Be sure that we're a living and holy sacrifice." And I just thought about that. It's like you know God's not going. You know, certain ones who yes, they go do mission trips or they go. Uh, somewhere and, and they're called to be a martyr. That's the the plan that I guess the Lord has for their life or the plan that's unfolding or whatnot. But, you know, he does call us to be a living sacrifice, how we live day to day, even here in the States where we don't have to really worry about persecution so much. Uh, but he calls us to proclaim that gospel like Stephen did, you know, to stand firm, be honest in the face of uh, evil. You know, I was listening to a gentleman here, um, in Charlotte, North Carolina, Sam, I think Bethia is his last name. I can't remember. Yes. But during all the, uh, he's an African-American gentleman. Um, he'll stand down in Charlotte and just, and just hold a Jesus save sign and, and testify to people. But during a lot of the riots and, and all this nonsense that happened last year, he was, dude, he was spit on. He had urine thrown on him. Um, I mean, cursed and, and, you know, all kinds of stuff, dude, but he would stand there and, and proclaim the name of the blood of Jesus, what he would scream. Yes. Um, and he said that you could see there'd be moments where he would say that and there would be somebody so, so enraged. Uh, a lot of them would cuss him and scream at him, but he goes, there would be some of them that would just put their head down and walk off. And I was like, dude, that's Christ. I mean, that's the yes. power of Jesus. Kind of like Stephen here looks up and sees Jesus at the right hand of God, you know, and, and, and Sam, God bless him there in Charlotte doing that. I mean, he's, he's proclaiming, the name of Jesus on this, this evil. Amen. Uh, yeah. You were talking a little bit ago about uh, we were not necessarily called to be martyrs. Uh, right. Now I think me and you have talked about this uh, personally. I don't know that we've discussed it on the podcast, um, but when you mentioned that it, it brought this to my, my brought this to my mind. Can't get mm-hmm. my words right. Uh, the word witness in the Greek yeah. is martus, M A R T U S. And that's where we get our English word martyr. Right. So, you know, there is that context uh, where Jesus says, you know, he talks in uh, Acts chapter one. Uh, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. That word there, witnesses, uh, is, is martyrs. Sure. And so, 
it's not necessarily saying, hey, everybody is going to is called to to die. But um, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, I believe there comes a place of surrender uh, right. that God desires us to get to where we will lay down our life for the cause of Jesus if need be. Yeah. Revelations 2.10 wrote this down. It says, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. So he's, he's telling us, I mean, Jesus is telling us, hey, you, you, uh, if, the, if, the, if it comes to this, be faithful unto death, but you can guarantee that your life doesn't end there. I mean, you're going to receive the crown of life and, and eternal glory in heaven. man. so, no, yeah, it's good stuff. Amen. Okay, so he says that he sees the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then verse 57 says, Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord. Verse 58, And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And after, or, and they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Verse 60. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Yep. So fell asleep. Just, <laughs> just in these, uh, just in these few verses here, uh, Two things jump out to me. Number one, this is the first time that we see and hear of Saul, who is uh, eventually going to become uh, one of the greatest men of faith in the Word of God. Absolutely. Um, and at this point, he is, he is consenting to the death of Stephen. Uh, sure. And Stephen, during this, he does what Jesus did on the cross and says, Father, forgive them. Yeah. You know, don't, don't leave, don't lay this sin on them. That's uh, amazing. Yeah, it is. It's powerful testimony to me to think that, uh, you know, these these men can hear him say that. And, and, you know, we don't know, ultimately the Bible doesn't really touch base on some of these men, if they became believers eventually in Christ or if things like this, you know, change their mind or, or not, we don't know, but it is, uh, you know, definitely uh, a lesson for us. I mean, as we go about our day, you know, what, what, who bothers us, uh, you know, who, whatever at work rubs us the wrong way. Um, I mean, these men were being stoned and killed and yet he said, don't hold this against them. Um, you know, and, and you think about man, like did that. So Saul was obviously a part of this. He, you know, they threw their garments at his feet and meanings. He means he wasn't just an observer. He probably was had his definitely had his hand in this. So I just now thought about this. What, you know, we have the word of God and some people like Pharaoh, their hearts are so hardened that nothing's going to change their mind. They're going to continue to, 
do whatever they want to do and never let the word of God pierce their heart or change their lives. Right. But here you got Saul who was part of this, sees this man, sees this man's faith, even as he's being murdered. What if this was the moment where Saul's heart was open just a little bit enough for God's word to get in there? Because, you know, obviously he goes on still persecuting the Christians until the road to Damascus when Jesus shows himself to him. But what if this was the moment where Saul, I don't know, maybe there's a glimpse there of something that, you know, we talk about planting a seed in somebody's life and 10 years from now it flourishes and they become a believer. Like, what if that was the moment, dude, where he sees this faith and he's like, wow. But then, then instantly he's back to him, his normal self. No, nope, I got to kill these men. Yeah. I don't know, man. There's I, something there. <laughs> I have no doubt that, uh, I have no doubt that it was, it was big part to Stephen uh, through the, the message that he preached, because obviously mm-hmm. Paul was there listening to it. And he was, he was a scholar, bro. He was a scholar. Right. So he knew this stuff. Yeah. Right. Uh, so the, the message that Stephen preached and then, like you said, seeing his faith all the way, uh, to his last breath, um, Mm -hmm. that had to have made an impact on Saul. I would agree. I mean, even, even though it don't seem like it, um, immediately it, 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 it had to. Yeah. Totally agree. I you think go back to whatever the middle of chapter six, where we talk about Gamaliel, where he's talking about like all these other folks who had this whatever following that they did. Well, eventually it just kind of died away. So Saul would have known about that. Saul probably never saw any of these other men who were following this other, you know, whatever religion that they had come up with. Uh, you know, uh, ask Jesus to forgive them. You know what I mean? He probably didn't see this. He might have seen people yeah. like go, oh, I don't really believe this and run away kind of thing. So this, I, I do believe this is just a, a, uh, a little bit of a pinprick on his heart. Well, and like we've talked about before, for these disciples to go all the way to the point of death, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a major witness to people that this is not just a, this can't just be some made-up religion. No. You know, one, one or two guys going to death because they wanted to start this new religion and, and, you know, get in history books that might be seeable, but sure. We're talking about hundreds at this time, thousands, uh, because before this, remember there was, you know, 5,000 that was fed by Jesus. And most believe that that was just men. So, with women and children could have been 20, 25,000 or more. Um, sure. So there's countless number of people who were following Jesus. Now, not all of them were true believers. I mean, he even said to some of them during that time, you know, you're just following me for the food. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, but there were a lot of believers. Uh, one of the things that we've seen in about each chapter in the book of Acts is uh, it talks about the church being added to, uh, mm-hmm. and, and people, uh, you know, getting saved constantly. So, um, these people willing to go to their death has to be a major witness to Saul and anybody else, uh, whether they wanted to realize it at the time or not. Yeah, no, I agree, man. I, I yeah, 
I definitely agree. And just, it, it just literally dawned on me that it could have definitely been a moment where Saul saw the, the boldness of this man uh, willing to die. Then he calls upon Christ and, you know, uh, says, forgive them pretty much. They know not what they do. You know what I mean? But yes. Uh, let's read on in here a few verses into chapter eight. Uh, kind of get a little more idea of Saul here. It says in uh, chapter eight and verse one, now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. Verse three, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Man, figure, that's good. Yeah, man. Uh, uh, listen, real quick, I, I heard something. Uh, you know, it's funny we, we talk about this. I can't remember what I was listening to. But, you know, ultimately in Acts 1, Jesus and even Matthew 28, he says, you know, go share the gospel, go make disciples, you'll, you know, preach all over the world. We see things, we see where God will take bad. Now, God doesn't allow this bad to happen. I don't, you know, believe that. But I believe God will take the bad and use it for the good. You know, Romans 8, 28. So we see this where it says in verse four, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Now, they were so they were afraid uh, of Saul, of this persecution. They started to scatter. But in that process, God used that scattering to spread the gospel to different regions that if they would have remained uh, whatever, just in one area, then Lord knows what the world would be like right now. But we see even now the gospel in Afghanistan, the gospel in China. I mean, the gospels all over the world, they're being persecuted way more different ways than we can ever imagine here in the States. But that gospel, because of the scattering here, um, started to overflow into other areas and other regions. So it's, it's just really cool thing for me to see how God will take, you know, the, the bad and use it for the good. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I believe this is a good place to stop. We can begin next week, uh, discussing, uh, Philip, uh, who mm -hmm. was one of the, one of the, the deacons who went down to, uh, to Samaria to preach. And, uh, so there was, a a lot of great things that come out of that persecution and the, and the church being scattered. Um, man, you got anything else before we wrap it up? I don't, I'm really excited about running into, um, the rest of Acts, man, because I'm a big, uh, I don't want to say a fan <laughs> or a follower, but I don't know, man, just the transformation. Um, even as a young believer, when I was 17, 18 years old, hearing about Saul and to Paul, you know, this transforma transformation he went through, you know, I'm just really excited to start jumping into these chapters here, but uh, we got a lot to dig into, man. It's going to be good. No, no. Yeah. I think just, you know, just read it. Definitely, you know, listeners out there, read, uh, read chapter seven for yourself. Uh, just listen to the words of Stephen and, and he's, you know, ultimately pointing to Christ throughout this whole, you know, uh, sermon that he preaches practically. It's the whole chapter. It's definitely good. So don't, don't graze over it. Amen. 
All right, guys. Uh, we thank you for joining us again. As always, you have any questions, thoughts, comments, or prayer requests, feel free to send them to wrestlingforthefaith at gmail.com. I am at Real Casey Cage on Instagram and Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I am at Jackson Riker WWE Instagram and Twitter. Uh, so, yes, hit us up, man. All right, guys. Have a blessed day. We love you and thank you for listening. Wrestling for the Faith is now available on YouTube. Just go to youtube.com and search Wrestling for the Faith.